Yo, 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 what's going on? This is the Bill Radio Show. You are now rocking with the Bless. You know what I'm saying? We're the Bill and Saved by Grace. You already know what it is. Listen, you are now rocking with 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, the Bill Radio Show. I'm your host. My name is Jay Harris. You know what I'm saying? You already know what it is. Shout out to the Bill Church, our sponsors, and uh, our supporters, and everybody in the city that's rocking with us. I got my co-host with me in the building, you know what I'm saying? I got my man Shirt Dog, Big Philly Illies in the building, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be a good day today. We're in part two of a series we've been in about missions, the American church. What are we missing? What do we need to see? What about the urban context? We flying overseas? Are we taking many vacations? What's going on with that whole conversation? So this is part two on that. Um, but anyway, yo, fellas, say what's up to the people, man. Philly Illy and the Villy Illy. I already know that's what we do. Shirky Durky where we worky perky. <laughs> All right. Yes, yes. That was the best intro y'all have ever done. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was pretty, that was dope. I was mad because I wasn't in on it. I want my name on that joint. Uh, that's what's up. So, yo, y'all ready to rock with that? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Part hey, two. Hey, listen, you know what? Lately, if y'all been rocking with us, then you know we've been doing the show. We haven't been playing too much music. But, you know what I'm saying, we um, we going in on this music thing this time, whatever. We got three songs we running with today, you know what I'm saying? Some really, really, some some good stuff, you know? The a little, best stuff. A little something that's going to surprise people, you know what I'm saying? Some throwbacks. Some throwbacks or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So, we got some stuff or whatever, but listen, um, let's jump into this thing, man. Y'all want to get right in on the conversation? Y'all want to play a song first? Uh, what are you feeling like, though? I don't know, whatever y'all want to do, man. I'm ready to get it in. You know what I'm saying? Let's get it in, man. Let's go Let's ahead and talk in. about it. So if you want if you if you were with us last week on the first part of this particular series, then we had our friends um um Tony and Connie Johnson, who are what, twenty-five years plus missionaries in Africa and all over. Yeah, all they keep saying twenty-five year missionaries in Africa, but they've been six year missionaries in the United States. Most definitely. So. Most definitely. They're on mission. Yeah, they're on mission, man. They, they, they're they a huge part of the Ville Church, and they also work with crew in the city. Um, and they they are a white couple that lives inside of Brentwood, and they're on mission inside of an urban context. Mm. And uh, they, they share some really, really, really good stuff or whatever. With Let me ask y'all a first question. Most definitely. Hit me. How y'all feel? about that whole concept that white people would move into an urban context as missionaries? What, like, what does that make you feel? I mean, uh, now understanding it, now looking at what I know about racism, what I know about the history of our country, um, I understand um, now um, that is needed. Before. Like me looking on the other side of the lens, mm -hmm. I believe now it's like, yes, that's something that definitely needs to happen. What did you um, think about it before? Before I thought it was just a bunch of hogwash. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you were just trying to get your rocks off. But when you go in and you commit to a time frame like I see people do, like really coming to live in like the community. Really coming to live in and the being community. a part of the community. But when yeah. you I just want to make sure for the listeners, when you just said get your rocks off, like you were skeptical of that, what you mean is like people just come in to yeah. feel good about feel themselves. Good about like, themselves. oh I'm gonna go save the yeah. the the poor people. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. And once the thrill is gone, you gone. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But yeah. Going in and actually living in the community, going in, just by you going in and living in the community, you value the people. You know what I'm saying? Um, and um, before I would look at it as you were lowering yourself, but, you know, you valuing the people. You showing yeah. that there's value in this community. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that's actually an interesting point, Phil, because it's like I think you can move into a community without valuing the people. Yes. Like if we're talking about the Ville, let's yeah. look at Springfield. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Gentrification. Yeah, yes. straight up. Yeah. We're going to move in, but we're going to bring our values and culture. what we, our culture, and we're gonna swallow yours up and push you out. That's right. not what we're gonna say we're gonna do, but that's what we're gonna do. Right. Yeah. We're so not gonna empower what's already there. We're gonna get whatever's there out. Right, which is, yeah. I think, a really interesting topic for uh, missions altogether. Most definitely. Is how do you actually do missions? How do you live as a Christian, dying to yourself, 
and uplifting. Because this is something actually I struggle with. Like, yeah. if we want to be real. Because even being at our church, I have to die to a lot of my preferences. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you two guys love hip-hop. It's yeah. like, y'all sing. You're a hip-hop artist. Right. You're a hip-hop entrepreneur. Yeah. Like, uh, and all you want to talk about is Arcade Fire. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. I'll be hearing you, dog. I'll be hearing you, brother. I hear you. You think I'll hear your soul, brother. I hear you. I don't even know what that is. It's all right, Phil. One day. Phil. If you die to your own culture, Phil, one day you'll hear RK Fire. (laughs) No, but like, I mean, but it's challenging, right? Like, I mean, that's a small, stupid thing. But I mean, that's just part of it. And it's like questions that I like often ask myself Mm -hmm. is like, how much, what does it mean to die to yourself, to live for God and for the benefit and uplifting other people? And then how much do you balance that with, with like, your own passions and desires to, you know, be yourself and do, yeah. do what you're passionate about? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Most definitely. It, 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 you know, I think it comes, that in a sense goes beyond even a black and white conversation because yeah. it just goes even to where our heart and our love is for stuff or whatever because there's this balance of good stewardship mm-hmm. where you make wise decisions and you make wise investments but then there's the thing where it's like okay if i move in this community um certain communities that are you know facing you know just you know different type of um you know uh obstacles or or economically challenged Okay, well, the value of my house isn't going to go up and make money for me, right. um, and 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 you know, and so all of these things come into play in that sacrifice. So it's like you know, but some of it's even just status-wise. Yeah. This is not going to be cute. Right. Like you know, we have people in the church that um, um, that you know live inside of like on the east side of our city, and they're white, and they move to these neighborhoods, and their family is like, you're a nut. And you're yeah. crazy, and we're not coming to visit you because we're not going to get killed or whatever they think, which isn't necessarily completely true about where they live at because a lot of them, like, I love where I'm at. But, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's heard these narratives, whether they're true or not true, and they're just kind of like, no, stay away. Right. And so, you know, stepping into missions in the urban context really ha- makes us evaluate some real stuff about our heart. You know what I mean? Here's a question for you. Yeah. Do you think suburbia needs missions? Man, I was thinking about that during the last show. Yeah. I, I didn't want to interrupt the conversation to bring it in, but that's a gangster question. That's a gangster question. Do you think suburban life in America needs missionaries to move in to suburbia? I most definitely do. I was going to say I believe they do. Yeah, I most definitely do. And yes. so why? Um, I think why because I think that we have our idols in different ways. Even in the Ville Church or whatever, like... Um, I don't want everybody leaving their community in San Marco or wherever they're at and coming to move inside of an urban context. Like, Mm -hmm. if that's a calling, yes. For the Johnsons, it's most definitely a calling. They love it. They receive life from it. It involves suffering, but the way they describe what God is doing through it and how it keeps them to Jesus, man, I felt like jumping through the roof when they were testifying to that. But for other people, it may not be the case and they may not be helpful. It's kind of like um, when helping hurts. Yeah. Some people, some churches like, hey, we want to go help in the urban context, but it's really like, and we've had to tell, even at, as our church, people have said, hey, we want to come over there and yep. volunteer and do this, and we're like, nah, actually, we don't want you to come. It's no it's no shade, but it's like, yo, you ain't ready for this, and it's not helpful. But when it comes to, I, I love that we have people that are coming in the conversation in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Um that live in a suburban context and then go back out to their neighborhood and they challenge people. Yeah. Um, I see you doing that shirt with your family, mm-hmm. with your friends, yeah. like bringing back the conversation you get here at this table and in this church and pushing on them. It could, right. and, 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 and the enemy is working in different ways. Even in a suburban context, the enemy is maybe trying to blind people in comfort. In the in inside of an urban context, it might be the lack of comfort, and Satan's tactic is to formulate bitterness mm-hmm. and distrust, and then undermine the or gospel. To idolize comfort, like or, that one day making yeah. it is being comfortable. Exactly. And then you ask most anybody in suburbia who have money. Yeah. They're not happy. Yeah, they're I not agree. Happy. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So yeah, that's a really good question, though. Yeah. So how do you? How do you? How do you? Give me a give me a plan 
suburbia? What what what's the what's the how do you even approach that? I, I, to me, to me, I think you, I think the gospel, in in um, I think what's happening with that conversation, or or the lack thereof of this happening, is that pastors don't speak and they don't make they're not intentional about it, mm-hmm. so they don't say that something's wrong in the middle of suburban America, yeah. like you get what I'm saying. So it's like, and not that there is not 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 that. Not that we want to demonize anybody for where they live or for them even being a comfortable context. But, right. but when it comes to the gospel and the calling to steward your finances in a selfless way mm-hmm. or, um, or whatever it is, God can work inside of the, the palace and he can work and he can work inside of the uh, hut. Yep. And so and he does in both. and he does it in both. So I think pastors being intentional about it and not letting um, the people they steward in the culture in their church, not letting people live in this lifestyle where they're completely swept in the current of comfort. Yeah. Like you have to make, you have to break that up. Let me ask you this, Jay. What is, what is the danger of comfort? Bro, so I'm, I'm going to go to where I always go. I go to the Good Samaritan story. Like you, um, the person who's standing on the side of the street where they're safe, their their perspective is always going to be crooked and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, even the way we think about what helping people looks like, even hence the show. Like, we're talking about missions. But, like, missions for a lot of people have turned into mini vacations. Right. And we don't even have a clear view of what um, brokenness is because we're so high up. We don't even get it. And, and even in the conversation when it comes to even race in America or poor versus rich, we're so divided from each other. And, and, and let's say it like this. The people who are rich are in power. Right. Um, so they, they sway our culture more than anybody else. Yeah. But a, a lot of them never come down to the neighborhoods they have so many opinions about. Sure. Um, and, and, um, and so I think comfort deceives them in that. Um, not that it doesn't have an impact on the urban context or, um, you know, but it deceives people who are in comfort. And, and, and yeah. it's not what God has called us to. He, the Bible, he says, suffer as good soldiers of Christ. He says there's going to be tribulation while you're gone and, and eternity is promised to you and it's going to be beautiful. But while you're here, it's, it's going to be pretty greasy. So I think when we, we um, buy into the fantasy world or whatever while we're right. here on earth, we're already pushing against what the gospel has told us is true. And I don't even think just for, like, white suburbia. I think there's a black suburbia, too. Most definitely. Yeah. That they move from the hood. And, and to be honest with you, I think there's a more vindictive attitude with ours when we move from the hood and we've made it. Because mm-hmm. it's like, don't come talk to me about uh, wh- who I, where I am. I worked hard to get to where I am. And right. you need to know that yeah. I'm doing what I did, I, I've accomplished, I'm great. I'm great in my community. Yeah. Are you great in your community because you left? Yeah. Because you got out? So that makes you great? Yeah. And that's that's what be everybody's reflection. Like That's how we look to them too. Even when I go back into my area, they be like, boy, I was, I was just so proud of you. I see somebody from the hood, you made it out of the hood, you're doing your thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to go back in, though. It's a whole bunch of y'all that... that that's still there. That's still there. This, I need to remember where that's where I came from. Yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? And I, think, I think that's the point. Like, comfort, yeah. the danger of it is it makes you blind to yeah. need and your own need. You, you stop striving. You stop seeing, like, the, the, the reason why I think suburbia, black, white, black, Asian, whatever needs missionaries is because they're blind and they don't have an eternal perspective like you just said phil the idea that like i'm great i made it whatever it's like no you didn't yeah god did god actually gave you every single resource every single ability every single thing to get you to where you are so do not take credit for you doing something amazing and i mean they get i've I've seen black people get malicious i mean yeah. Don't come talk. I mean, just yeah, crazy the attitude. About, yeah, and you'd be like, listen, all I'm saying is, is don't forget where you come from. Not only don't forget, but go. Because they will go forget. I mean, if you look at yeah, white suburbia. You will. You do forget. You forget. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just it. 
you, you know, I think that I, I think inside of the um, I think there's so many nuances in in these different circumstances or whatever. That's why I think it's hard to land on one side of the track right. than there is the other or whatever. I think there are some emphatic statements we need to make about what it looks like from a gospel perspective, stewardship, sacrifice, all of those things. But like one of the things that I often think about in the black context is like, number one, you got people, um, and, and by no means, I, I, I hate sometimes the way we talk about this because we talk like all black people just start from the hood, right. which isn't actually the That's case or whatever. Case, yeah. um, so you have black people that have to start from this comfort perspective too and um, dealing with uh, urban context is poverty too. So it might be missions for them or it might yeah. not be what we call mission. It might just be having a loving heart and loving people who, you know, move, walk, and talk different than you or whatever. But I think about people who in their community have grown up suffering shame. Like, yeah. there's cats I know who grew up with their parents in a broken community on heroin. There's kids I deal with in the school system whose mothers are prostitutes and their friends sleep with them. Like, this is actually their reality. If you ever get a chance out of that community, you ain't ever trying to go back. And if you ever do go back to show your face in it, it's going to be nothing short of the power of God, bro. Right. Like, And so there's a lot of circumstances, I think, that play into those things also. And even for my white brothers and sisters as well, too, like there's some hard things of stepping into a context that's not familiar. Like, how do we do that? How do we walk in it or whatever? So, And I think that's the thing with even the Bible. Like, the Bible says a lot of things, but it's one book. Yeah. You know, there is a lot that you, it doesn't make every decision for you. And it makes most decisions not for you. You have to decide based on what you know about the character of Jesus, about God, his spirit, the story that we're in that he's unfolding. And it's hard. Because yeah. we can't tell anybody, hey, you need to move into a, uh, you know, poor area. Yeah. Because that's the gospel. Yeah. Right? Well, that's part of the gospel. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that everyone needs to do that. Exactly. You know, and so that's, this is the hard part of actually wrestling with God and figuring out, well, what am I called actually to do? Yeah. Because like you said, some people might need to like come to our church specifically learn about these things, go back to San Marco yeah. to talk to their friends and be like, hey, we're missing this. Yeah. And however God wrestles their heart and, like, changes their heart to do something about it, yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I think even, Phil, with what you said, it's like, what do we do? How do we do that? Yeah. To me, it, it always comes back to everyone in some ways are hurting. Other people are being oppressed. There are oppressors, but both are actually sinners in need of the gospel. Yeah. And I, I just see it more as like, I try and, I don't do a good job of this, but like pulling myself back and being like, I think uh, Tony said this last episode, but like, what's my identity? It's not rooted in my nationality. It's not rooted in my culture even. Mm -hmm. It's actually rooted in Christ. Yeah. And that's an otherworldly kingdom. Right. Yeah. And so anywhere I go, I, from that standpoint, what does the kingdom of God look like in this community with their certain brokenness? So if it's in white suburbia, the thing is comfortable, uh, blindness, um, fearful, like all these things that are all sin yeah. that they hold as like idols. Yeah. But then if you're going into a different context, whether I'm going into like Haiti mm -hmm. or an urban context or even a, a like Hispanic context, yeah. you have to you have to analyze well what what is going on in this culture? What are the things that, you know, drive the culture and decisions and how does the gospel actually fit into that? So, this is what I'm picking up from what you're saying. Yeah. What you just the whole thing you just did right there was completely mission-minded to the max right. because we spend time in America taking like position. Like I was just talking to somebody early this morning. I'm like, while we're sitting arguing back and forth, whether racism is real in the church, which is a foolish conversation. Our statistics expose us. Right. Like, meanwhile, the enemy is taking advantage of our foolishness in that. 
because we won't be real about what's really in front of us. And right. what you just said is like, yo, when you go to, you look at um, suburban context, you go, this is what's going on here. As a believer called on mission to bring the gospel, these are the circumstances I'm dancing with here and I need to navigate through. Right. So like a, it's like, a, it's like a, a warrior mindset. Like I'm coming in, I'm assessing how the enemy's playing this game. It's not a, 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 I'm not trying to socially celebrate somebody like that or whatever. I'm like, yo, what are the ills in this community and how do we engage it? How do we be missional minded to change it? It's almost and, like ambassadors to Christ. If it, the word ambassador, like imagine if I'm sitting in Iran, an ambassador to the United States. I know where I belong. I'm in a different area. Yeah. So what? How do I engage with their cultures and values? Yeah. But that's if you're a Christian, that's true. It's in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And not in anything here on earth. Yeah. But what's challenging for me, and for everybody, is we have been ingrained with certain things that we believe, think, feel, and it's you. It takes a lifetime, maybe even eternity. To like figure out how that's not who you are, yeah, and how your new identity sets you apart from that. That was that pairing that up with what uh, Tony and Connie Johnson said on the last show was huge about being in Africa and how um, they told them like you're basically something about like you're gonna bring ten percent change. And it's gonna bring ten percent of this is gonna be you changing Africa. Ninety percent is gonna be Africa changing you, and then seeing them go from an international. Um, context or missional work and come into a urban neighborhood um, where they're white and they look like strangers in it um, or they look like they don't necessarily belong in it but they're there and committed they're still applying that same kind of kind of deal where you know I heard him say what um, he said um, I'm looking to learn stuff from my neighbors and he was mm -hmm. talking about just the experience so yeah. we don't never think of missions like that we think about we're going to come in, fix everybody. We got something. And yes, we need to do come in from a missional perspective. But the Bible tells us it's wisdom to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And it also tells us our sharpest tool is that we're servants. Mm -hmm. That's what confounds whatever we're stepping into is that we didn't come to pillage the land. We didn't come to take from you. That's Paul kept saying that in the word. He said, yo, I ain't took nothing from nobody, homie. Like, yeah. you don't even have that testimony. All you can say about me is... I came and laid my life down for the sake of the gospel to glorify the king. And the way he was doing that was through me, my sacrificial work to you. Yeah. Um, it's so, almost like if, if God called you to flip a house. Yeah. Like you wouldn't just go ahead and start naming the things that were wrong with the house and the things that needed to be fixed without actually being in the house. Yeah. And looking and analyzing and seeing everything in the house that was actually wrong. Yeah. Like, but that's what we do. Yeah. We're like oh, the house is broke. Well, it's probably broke because, you know, the water and this yeah. and that. And it's like, well, you haven't even been in the house. Yeah. You I haven't mean, even examined the house. I, I, that, that's how I definitely viewed it. And then when she made the comment about something so simple as you, and I didn't even think about something like this. She was like, she was bored. There wasn't no internet. Like, Y'all already know, you know, I mean, if, if, if you listen to the Vera Radio Show, you don't know me, but these guys know. I be scrolling. I be scrolling while I be talking, like, on my phone just... Internet, internet, internet. He on the and phone right now. Like, I was speak. on the phone right just then, but it's like, you don't even think about the simple fact that you start dying, like, day one. Yeah. Like, that's a that, like that's fleshly killing. Yeah. Like, no the, internet. The real reality, like, is, yeah. is this gospel work yes. worth this? Yeah. And, like, we may think something like having your phone and your internet is foolishness. But boy, we don't know how programmed we are to these to things. It. Like, we are programmed yeah. to it. Oh man! And and, and I could send an email all day, preach it to you. When I got to get out and go have the conversation with you, sit and look in your face, mm -hmm. it's a whole nother deal. It's a whole nother deal. Yeah. I want to tell you more about that uh, when I was in Haiti. But let's play a song first. Yo, yeah, I'm glad you said that, Shirk Dog, because I really, really want to get into some of the stuff, or whatever, with you in Haiti, or whatever. I got some questions for you. Um, I got a song for us, real fast. Ooh. This is my man, No Malice, and Ab uh, Lava or whatever. It's called Smoke and Mirrors. You know uh, No Malice? Used to be Malice with the clips. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love this joint because it's almost like when he be, you, 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 you hip-hop royalty, yeah. 
And it was almost like him kissing the game goodbye, like what he was saying on his verse. Like so right like, in the middle of them like being platinum stars too. Yeah, like, like I mean, you, you you mess with everybody from Jay-Z and then he becomes a Christian. And so listen, listeners, when you hear this song, listen to that second verse really, really hard. Listen to the words or whatever, because um, to me, this one, this one for the books right there, all right? Seville Radio Show, 103.7, 1320 AM. This is smoking mirrors, no malice. Boom. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I talked like a child. I even reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's like the blind leading the blind, they caught up in the shine. Tokens of the senses not clearly defined. The watermelon's gone, and all that's left is rhyme. And yet you keep beating, beating. But in the back of your mind, there's so much you rewind. Ever wonder why they continue to let you dine? Place a glass ceiling, continue to let you climb. Place drugs in the hood and pretending to let you grind. Hello, job, they pretending to let you find. Box, then they continue to let you mine. Hello, deal, they continue to let you sign. They spent more on spilled wine. I gotta speak to my kind. Call me 845, cause both hands on the nine. It's from the heart, and it's so sincere in every rhyme. I can let the real go to lost tears every time. Shit, if no child left behind, black faces on the first 48 look like mine. Yeah, cause when that in the vibe, the ones in the position for my beauty like shine. Damn, and we the culprits in the crime and the puppet flying, they just poking at the lion. Till my soul starts flying and frying. I'ma be defiant, it's written on the wall like a mine. You know, the truth is a funny thing. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. It separates bone from the marrow, spirit from the flesh. And if it's a lie, they say it's a lie. But if it's the truth, and that sword hits you, all you better do is say ouch. It's of a biblical proportion. What you are witnessing, spiritual abortion, slaughter of innocence, guilty as charged, destruction of a lineage. I pray, Father God, you allow me to repent of it. And any crime seen at bare malice, fingerprint, I pitch those keys like a dent without thinking. Even served our own mamas without blinking. Walking dead, clueless, no England. Within a twinkling, seeing what I was made of. While y'all speculate, clips break up. Well, thinking not strange if I'm able to escape hell. Even Esau had a Jacob, I ain't tripping. Hey, what's with all this swag? I ain't feeling. Gotta get that money, huh? Nah, I'm chilling. And I ain't selling my soul for no milling. Cause that dead rap can't even crack his glass ceiling. Why such blasphemy? And all right, that was my man right there, No Malice and Ablava, Smoking Mirrors. Told you that joint was hard. Y'all like that song? Yeah. That's gritty. Yeah, it's a real deal right there, whatever. That was crazy. Yo, so check it out. It's 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. This is the Ville Radio Show. I want to get back in it. We only got like 20-something minutes left or whatever. Shirt Dog, you know, we've been talking about missions and stuff or whatever, and you spent quite a big time... Uh, bit of time over in Haiti and you were even there when the earthquake happened. Yeah, yeah. Which is absolutely crazy or whatever, but it is. Um tell me about like what were some of the epiphanies 
you just you had about American Christianity going over there, um, and you went to you went to you like yeah. Just tell like what was that? What smacked you in the face stepping into those situations over there? Yeah. So for for me, you know, I became a Christian at the beginning of college, and I, mean, I was kind of wild before that. But then even in college, I was kind of doing my thing, and you just. You're just blind to what you're blind to. That's what I keep coming back to. Like, I, I can't feel sorry that I'm blind to something because mm-hmm. you're just blind to what you're blind to. Yeah. And until someone helps you see that and exposes it to you, it's you're just going to remain blind to it. But for me, I had been to Haiti a few times on, like, mission trips um, that Phil went on to Africa. and So he knows what I'm talking about. But um, then when I moved down there, there was a big difference. Because when you go down there for a week, everyone sets up for you. Everyone, the whole deal is like clockwork. You know, you're just boom, 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 every day set up. But then when we moved there indefinitely, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it, it is crazy. Phil was just saying that he'd have a hard time with no internet. Well, imagine no internet. Imagine no food. Imagine no AC. Imagine, like... You, you start missing weird things. Yeah. Like, for me, I'm pretty skinny, and my butt was raw because there was no couches. I was sitting on hard surfaces 24-7. Mm. The only not hard surface was this mattress that I slept on. And I'm telling you, when I slept on this mattress, because there's no AC, and we're in Haiti, and we moved. Oh, my God. Every morning, I woke up with a pool of sweat around me on the bed because it was so hot. So, on top was, of you being hot and sweaty. You had to pick a pig for your bottom. Yeah, and then you, like, my cinnamon buns don't do good on hard surface. <laughs> I mean, they don't do well. It bro. was, and I, it's not, it's weird because it's like something you wouldn't even think about. Yeah. You don't even think about that. But yeah. man, I promise, I had dreams about just re- reclining on a couch, just feeling like, oh my gosh, this is so comfortable. Yeah. But it's either hardwood chairs or rocks or like hardwood floor. You, you know what, let me jump in real quick. Like, I just want to say this because this is coming to mind. But, and I'm going to mess this up like I often yeah. do with scripture or whatever, but I'm stating this disclaimer or whatever. Um, there's a scripture in, I feel like it might be in Amos, where about the white ivory couch, I think the prophet is rebuking the people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like when he's talking about how they neglect the hurting. Yeah. And he says, you sit in your house eating your choice meats. Mm. And on your white ivory couch, mm. like it's funny to me that you're talking about um, yeah. suffering, and it has to do with a seat, and that's what is in the Bible. Yeah, is that's that crazy. they pinpoint like, yo, you chilling up on your white ivory couch, like, man, it's crazy. White ivory, man, but it's only sound fly though, like do real. You know what I mean? I, I'd like to see a white ivory couch. I would for real. Uh, but yeah, man. So, but it was it's interesting because like even for food. We ate one time a day at 3 p.m. Wow. And it was either rice and beans or pasta. Yeah. Wow. That was it. Yeah. And and I say all that just to say, like, I was integrating my life into their culture, like, fully. Mm. And still, I was living a high life in Haiti. Yeah. Because I had a bed. Yeah. I, I had a, a place, like a house that I could go into. It's yeah. a concrete block house. But, I mean, it's pretty nice for Haiti standards. And... But then it's like the cool adventure side of it literally wears off in less than a week. Yeah. Because then you're like, what are we doing? So just to be clear, for all those that's, you know, wanting, Mm. you know, growing up and seeing mission trips and seeing these things happen, and you, uh, um, you realize, you know, that the whole thrill, this this ain't no, uh, this... (laughs) Come on, man. This, hey, this ain't no, uh, this ain't no, this ain't no adventurous thing. Like, it's not a walk in the park. It's not. Well, it's an adventurous thing, but it is not a walk in the park. It's not, like, it's not a walk in the park. Yeah. You, we don't get it. But if you're just going for the adventure, it's kind of the thing. Like you always see, the grass is always greener. Like right. we say that phrase. You know, sometimes married people say, "Man, I remember when I was single and I had so much more freedom." Yeah. But all single people, then they get older, like, "Man, I wish I was married." And both sides are trying to tell them the other one's not as glamorous as they think. Yeah, I tell a young boy quickly, hey, don't be so in a hurry to do this, boss. 
You know what I'm saying? But then you get people to be like, man, I want what you got. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And don't know what it costs. It just doesn't don't know, know what it costs. Sacrifice in like, it. and so, and even with me, we got there. We made a we made a big mistake within the first three weeks. So let me just say this: when we got there, the pastor, Haitian pastor, we were staying with, actually left the country, like three days in, for like two and a half weeks. So our main person that you was gone, what the and what? we were just there. Yeah. Trying to figure stuff out, not knowing the language, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. And so uh, we had this, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's like a water filtration system. We get the water, we put it through, and it filters the water so that we can actually drink it. Mm-hmm. But every month or so, you have to kind of clean it out. We took bleach to do these bad chemical or to do these bad germs to get them out. But apparently, you don't do this certain type of bleach. So we killed all the good bacteria, too. So then we ended up drinking straight water without any sort of filtration. But yeah. we didn't know that. Yeah. But we did know that in about two days because, I mean, we were sick as I don't know what. So this cool idea, like, we're moving to Haiti. We're changing the world. Yeah. You know, there's, there's orphans. We're going to put them in orphanages. There's sick people. We're going to build hospitals. There's people that don't have any education. We're going to build schools. And then we're just, like, bent over just dying yeah. of sickness and just feeling it was, it was that bad oh it was bad it was and because then you have no comfort what are you going to eat what you're going to sit in air conditioning you like oh, you're going to have your couch there's geez. nowhere to, there's no place to run to nothing like, you're just you're yeah. just there you're just out there with projectile vomit and, and, and everything boo-boo. and so i mean this is within the first month yeah and i mean i always remember this because i came home for christmas and it was three months in i left i weighed about 190 pounds. I came home, I weighed 154. Wow. And it wasn't like I was trying to lose weight. It was just. Let, let me let me ask you this real quick, sir. Yeah. What what was it? What was it doing for your relationship with Christ in the middle of going through that? Like, what kind of questions were being asked? Um. Th- that's a great question, Jay. Because, to me, the biggest thing was, I needed something. Like, all my comforts being stripped away. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, God's a, a good God who blesses me. Yeah. Who's distant. And all I the get cute to pray phrases. To him. All yeah, the cute all phrases the, went out the window. Everything. Yeah. And then when, when it's happening to you and then you're seeing these terrible things happen to people all over, you really have to question yourself. I mean, you, you, get, you get to the basics. You're like, God, where are you? Do you even exist? Yeah. If you exist, how can this be happening? Yeah. Like, you, you hit the, the most basic questions all over again. Because you don't have, there's no easy answers. Yeah. I mean, so when we, like, wrap everything up in a bow in the American church and we make it look all pretty and we're, like, we're doing all the right things and structuring, it's like, no, when you're in it, and, I mean, we know this because we know some people that are in it in the city. It's like, you really question everything. Yeah. And... I think this is when your faith actually builds itself because you, you, you have to really search and, like, wrestle and question God. And, I mean, we know, like, when you seek, you will answer. But do we actually honestly, earnestly seek? Or is it just we do it because we're supposed to or we don't even need to, so we'll do it later? Yeah. You know? But it's like when everything's right in front of you, I, I mean, so that first three months, I, man, I had a lot of questions that I never really, like, actually, one, truly asked, and two, had time to think about it. Because, yeah. like Connie said, um, we're always, like, doing, getting the next thing done, whatever. But then when you get into some of these other countries, it's more existing. Yeah. Like, you just have to, you're just present. And is God present? And you're just, like, there. And so that's, I feel like, in a lot of ways, going to Haiti is when I actually met God. Yeah. Like for real, because it was outside of my system and ways that I had manufactured. Like, you know, you get your morning Bible time and, you know, this and that. And it's like, get quiet time, get your prayer time. It's like, no, it's just all those things are just existing constantly because you're seeking God. You know, it's crazy. Like you say that, whatever. I just was recently at an event and I was there with some of the EVAC boys. And this guy came up to start preaching at them. And, you know, the teacher was like, hey, can you chill out with that? We are, we're at an event somewhere or whatever. And she was like, hey, chill out. 
because he was a bit aggressive with it, and and he made her kind of wrestle with him about what she was saying. Number one, they're there with a pastor. Number one, their teacher's a believer. Another thing, they go to church already or whatever, and he just was on it and didn't really care about what she was saying or whatever. Later on, I wasn't there to see that. I was in the hallway, and I was talking to somebody. He walked up and starts talking about it. And I'm not knowing yeah. he's talking about the boys I was with. And he, he made this statement. He was like, you know, like, you know, like, man, I'm having to stay. I had to go out to the car and get in the Word for an hour. And I'm like, okay, well, praise the Lord, you know, type of deal or whatever. Yeah. But something felt off in it. Like, it felt hyper-religious. And then... He starts telling the story about going to the kids, and the teacher's like, hey, listen, like, this isn't the best time to do that. Um, but, you know, if you would like to work with him or get involved or something like that, then it'll be cool. And his instant response, he's like, he's like, you know, I hear her, but I have a family. I don't have time for that. And I was just like, it was just a weird thing. So I was like, so you're going to come punch him with wow. your, your it, it just felt like it was just for him. Um, and to check something off. Yeah, yeah, to check something off. And it kind of grieved my spirit a little bit. But I feel like, you know, we approach missions like that quite right. often, um, like with that mentality overall. And it, we, we just, we've romanticized the idea of what it is. Yeah, um, we definitely do. But from what you just said, the reason I'm saying all that is because with what you just explained and your experience and how you feel like you found Jesus in it, it wasn't in that you went to go do this awesome thing, but it was actually in the suffering mm -hmm. you found, which I know we speak about this all the time, even on the show. Like, you know, me and Phil, we were just going back and forth with a dude on Facebook or whatever. He was getting mad because we kept emphasizing suffering. Mm -hmm. But the reason we emphasize suffering, number one, because it's biblical and people have romanticized like God is going to bless me. I'm going to be an awesome man or woman of God and move in power. And then when I get all the good stuff, I'm going to come lavish people with these good things like God. I just need 50 million because I want to bless so many people. But homie, you don't get to. I don't care how much money you got. You, if you want to come touch the land of Haiti you're, and do real work, you're not going to escape what the suffering you went through. Yeah, it's, it's the idolization of comfort. That's what we said. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, that's what it is. So when we think about blessing and we think about abundance and now we're going to have more, we're going to be delivered to something. It's like, well, you're just idolizing having a lot so you can be the one to distribute so you can play the role of God. I mean, yeah. even when you said what, like... That was just crazy how you put it. Like, the comfort, I mean, God plays a backseat to the comfort because I got to make time for devotion. I got to make time for prayer. I got to make mm -hmm. time for scripture reading. When you say when you was there, that's all it's about because you're trying to hear from God. It's like. You're just trying to be present. You're just trying to be present. So it's just like, Lord, what, what do we do next? Everything now is based upon you here. Because that, that is the thing. Mm -hmm. We always have a plan here. Yeah. We know what we're going to do today. Right. We, we've talked to our wife. Right. Um, we know what our kids are going to be doing. We know what we're going to be doing next week. We know the vacations we're going to take. Yeah. But when you don't know, it's crazy. You have yeah. to be present. And this is the amazing thing about being present. And this is something that I definitely want to say was one of the best things about being present in Haiti. Is that you actually are aware when God does things. Yeah. Period. You don't miss it. You don't miss it at all. Like, I could be having a terrible time, totally regretting that I even did this and moved down here. It was so stupid. And then all of a sudden, I just feel like, Jeremy, why don't you just walk up this mountain? I'm like, whatever. I have nothing else to do. Sure. And I'm going up. And then I just sit at the top of it. I'm like, okay, great. Now I'm here. It's a little cooler. That's nice. There's a little breeze. Okay, cool. But then this was one time specifically. But then over the hills, I'm just hearing, like, probably 15 Haitian women having choir practice. Yeah. And they're singing worship songs in another language with no, no instruments. No, it's just all acoustic. Yeah. And it's just carrying through the wind. Mm. And it's like angel singing, basically. Oh, yeah. my God. And I'm like, I wouldn't have heard it where I was. Yeah. And I'm like, God, is this why you brought me up here? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just crazy, right? Or there's, like, other times where I'm, like, in the back of a truck. Just bumpy as I don't know what, thinking yeah. I'm going to get, like, kicked out of the truck from hitting a pothole. And I was just like, this is awful. I hate being here. Yeah. I, why am I doing And it's your questions. 
and you're just frustrated with God, and then you kind of like look over, and then you see a kid who's probably a street kid, has literally nothing, and he's walking by, and he just looks at you, and just genuinely smiles as big as he can. Just happy to see you. Yeah. It, nothing in return, no, no expectations, just a genuine warmth of like, hey. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that could only be of God. Yeah, yeah. You know it, what I'm saying? It, 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 it. This, it takes me back to what I was saying about the Samaritan story. Like, when you're on the side of the street where the suffering is happening, like, God is more clearer, he's more beautiful, and it hurts because it's suffering. Mm. But you have to rely on God's power. Tony Johnson said that, too, last week. I caught him when he said it. But he was just talking about living in the neighborhood. He was like, There's, I can't do this without God. So it keeps us close. And they were saying that's a beautiful thing. I mean, we say it generally like it's beautiful to be close with God, but is it still beautiful when that is brought about as we walk deeper into suffering? Um, You know, suffering, and and, and that's not a self-inflicted thing, but answering the calling for us to go into hard places. We've got to the point we don't even talk to our neighbors. You know, like I hear people in church all the time. They're like, oh, man, I, I wish this new program was here. I wish this was here. or I wish that. And it's almost like an entertainment thing. But I'm like, man, yo, you got people sitting in the seat next to you. Talk to them because there's so many struggles we have going on in our life and everything else. But um, shirt dog, I got something I want to hit you with, too. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is. You know, we talked about going overseas and going to Haiti and your experience there. But you've also served in the urban context, even in Jacksonville, even in New Orleans. And you, you've been able to kind of dance in that arena as well or whatever in, in, in where God's called you. Yeah. What do you think um, America, I'm speaking, I don't even want to say it from a racial standpoint because I think these comforts get us in a black and white but what are we missing in America when it comes to this general American Christianity and being bathed in comfort? And this thing grieves my heart because it's like we, people don't, they don't even have their eye on urban broken communities. We can't even get past the conversation to even recognize institutionalized um, racism and, and um, oppression that still exists. It's dead in our face. The statistics are there, but people go really, really far, and they'll say it's just an opinion. But, bro, I didn't been in the White House. I didn't talk to the president. I've been, you know, we've been behind the scenes. We've had a conversation with people who have their eyes on the numbers, and and they know it's the truth. Mm-hmm. But what do you, what's going on with the church when the Bible is talking about loving the fatherless? The widow speaks about justice all through the Old Testament. He tells them, like, Yo, I don't even hear your, your worship, and I don't even see your sacrifices no more because you neglect the hurting around you. In other words, throughout the Bible, we see the theme of I'm not even rocking with y'all because y'all are playing church. You yeah. can scream, worship, dance, jump, do what you do all day, but I'm not. But God is literally saying in the text, Yo, what I esteem is you loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. Like, what's your thoughts on that with the experiences you've had and living in a suburban context, coming up in a really, really known you know, school that's, you know, predominantly white, and then being in these contexts and what you know even amongst your friends? Because I know you're pretty a woke white person. You have this conversation even with your white friends and your black friends. Yeah. Um, in my, my personal opinion, Jay, is that the American uh, church, American Christianity is soulless. Mm. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Like, we don't believe. Yeah. Like, we, we take on Christianity as an organization. We take it on as an attribute. Mm-hmm. But we don't actually believe. Like, the stuff's true. We don't, we don't believe. We're not... It's going back to the presence thing. Yeah. Like, like we'll say charismatics have like these present, you know, experiences with God, but like in worship only. Yeah. But not in service. Yeah. Or maybe even in service, but the 
the general idea of American Christianity because of comfort, yeah. because of, you know, workmanship, like make your own way. It's, it's all about us and what we do. We don't need God. Yeah. And when we don't need God, we don't care about what God says and we care about ourselves. And whenever we care about ourselves, we're not going to care about other people. Yeah. Unless they help us move forward. Unless they benefit us. Right. And yeah. so at the end of the day, like I know for a fact, Mother Teresa came to America, <clears throat> I think it was like in the early 2000s. And she said she has never been uh, to a country that was as spiritually dead as America. And she's been all over the world. Wow. wow. So just think about that. Yeah. Mother Teresa literally has been all over the world. Yeah. And she said when she was in America, she, the way she felt, the way people were talking, and it was just so disconnected from, like, heartfelt, like, genuine worship of God. And she was like, yeah. There, there's nowhere I've been that's more soulless. Yeah. And it really has to make you think. Like, because, I mean, we can talk about what does mission look like in America. We can talk about who needs it the most, where do we need to go. But even that's the system and structure. Because you have plenty of nonprofits, plenty of uh, different people saying, okay, we're going to help the poor because, quote, that's a good thing. Yeah. And the question is, well, we know that aid in and of itself does not help anything. Right, because you know with the EVAC boys, they want programs, they want to put things in place, and it's for a good cause, and on the yeah. surface looks great, but really, what is it doing? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Because it's not changing hearts. Yeah. It's not, it's, not, it's just perpetuating uh, dependency and other things where it's like, are we actually building people up, or are we just using them as currency to kind of uh, make our own self look good yeah you, you, I, I want to hit something you just said which I think is pivotal for the listeners so you just said American Christianity and you talked about Mother Teresa and her just saying like this is one of the most spiritual poor dead. places dead we've, yeah. she's ever been to and you described it as being soulless and, but you made that statement based out of the idea that we don't believe and what hit me about that when you just said that is because, yeah, comfort is definitely a deceiver, right? But the gospel makes us all poor. And I'm saying that to reiterate your point about do we believe the gospel? Right. Because whether you're a millionaire or, um, or, you're, or you're, you're close to being homeless, when you stand before the gospel you are broken and found wanting, yeah. no matter what side of the, the, the coin you are on that. So because I, because I do believe that a person who is financially wealthy or healthy or whatever that looks like, they can still functionally move forward with a broken spirit Definitely. before the Lord in need of God. Like it's, it's um, you know, is it, is it more difficult because of the trappings that are available most definitely, and I think that's biblical, and I think that's what Christ was talking about, a camel going through the eye of a needle. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what he was pointing he to. He was pointing at that because it's hard for you to serve him and that. Like, yeah. Most of the times when you have the abundance of finances and funding and riches, sometimes your life, your, you built your life on that, so now your life is it's like serving that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like if you yeah. build a, it's, in, it's it's almost like anything that you you build. If you build, if you build a church that's a thousand to two thousand people, you gotta now operate as that. You right. force yourself to do it. So most of the time, that's what happens. Um, but I definitely believe you, Jay, in that. Like I was like, you, it's no need for me to look at the poor man crazy when we stand before the gospel. Mm -hmm. If you have a broken spirit, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and you stand before it, and we all realize that. We're the same. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah. in the gospel message, like if someone said, what did Jesus say the gospel was? Because a lot of times we're like, what's the gospel? It's like, well, Jesus died and resurrected. Well, Jesus proclaimed the gospel, and that was before he died and resurrected. So what is the gospel? Yeah. And the gospel is that the message is repent and believe that the kingdom's come. Yes. And the first thing you have to do is repent. And the only way you can do that is to actually believe that you need to repent, that you are broken, that you are 
way more sinful than you think you are. Yep. And you could even imagine you are. And that you actually deserve eternal condemnation because you've gone against the holy God. And I just don't see Americans thinking like that. We don't think like that because we think we're awesome. We, we're, we think we're doing good. And we do good things. And we, we get the newest and latest technologies. And we kind of forget about everything. But it's like, no, we stand condemned. Period. Yeah. That is a that is the heaviest weight over our head, and we can't even deal with that. So we have to pretend it's not there. Yeah. That's the only way you can deal with that is to pretend it's not there, because if you knew what it was, then you would want to just die, wow. because it's so heavy. But the great news of the gospel is that man, we're forgiven when we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our redeemer, hmm. and it's like. We don't believe that. That's crazy. We don't believe that. And to answer your question, Jay, it's like when you start to believe that, when you see that you're the broken person, that you're the most broken person that you could possibly know because you know yourself more than anybody, well, then knowing that Jesus came to you and that you're called to do the same, well, you're going to go to the most broken people. So to me, the people that actually do this work, like uh, Tony and Connie, they know their brokenness before God. So it's really great and easy for them, I think, in some ways at this point, to stand with broken people saying, we're just as needy as you. Mm. And that's the only way they can do it. Because mm. anything else, they're bouncing. Because yeah. it's like, nah, this is too hard. Because you can't, none of us can actually have the, the tenacity or energy to keep going on something that we don't actually believe. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to bail. Yeah, these, these circumstances of like, um, walking in suffering, um, they put you in situations where you can clearly see your idols right. and what really matter. You know, even when it comes to us, even doing like us being called to our church, which is diverse. I know for a fact, just for many of the white people in our church, even rolling with black people, there's stuff that they have to count the cost for. Like they may have never looked at it before, but it's like, Family members, like, that's that's where you're at going to church at? Yeah. Oh, so these are your brothers over here? You're over here hanging with Tyrone over there? That's how you're rolling? And, it, and it's that's same. my family. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And family. then same thing on the other side where um, with us, even as black men or black women in the church or whatever, like, we deal with that also. It's like, so you run around with the white folks. You Like, these little games we play about whether racism and all that exists, start walking into relationship and the suffering that comes into it. I mean, it starts exposing our idols so clear. It becomes not a game to tussle back and forth. It becomes very, very real. Yep. And, and, um, and, and so it's just, it's just crazy to me how God uses our suffering to bring out those idols and sober us about where we really, really stand. Because we can get, boy, like the comfort can tell us a lie. And we'd be playing church all day long and swear we real with it. But, homie, the, you'll find out what's really deception. cracking when the fire gets turned up. Yeah, and who's the king of deception? Satan. Satan, straight and up. what's crazy to think about is that the most loving thing God could do to us is let us suffer. Yeah. To yeah. show us our need. Yeah. Because otherwise we're just going to go into oblivion and just worship ourselves. Yeah, sure. We have two minutes left, and yep. we, we, we drifted off of missions really quick. You told us some stuff, and we kind of went into suffering a bit, and you told us some of the suffering you went through. Um, I know by, I hear how you talk about missions all the time, mm -hmm. and I hear about how, how your heart is for the urban context and even for international missions. Yeah. Um, in this last minute, can you, why would you tell people to still go? even after the suffering and the experiences you've had, why would you tell them go? And I know you're still always wrestling with going yeah. um, back. Right. I would say this, and I can only speak from my personal experience, but when you go, you meet God. Yeah. If, if we're actually serious about wanting to know God yeah. and you want to meet God, well, you have to leave behind what you know. Every single person has to leave behind in the Bible. They leave behind what they know, what they are good at, what, you know. It was counted just, to them as righteousness because their faith 
caused them to leave what they knew. That's the testimony over and over with Abraham, exactly. everybody else. Yeah. And in our weakness, God's strong. Yeah. And because we need him and rely on him. And it's like, I think Connie said this, is like mission is cross-cultural. Yeah. Like it's, there is something to be said that you can relate better to people that you know and people that you have shared experiences Easy and whatever. Yeah. It's great. And it's, it, that is necessary. But that more so is going to be necessary to build you up to go. Yeah. And to come back and have someone to talk to that knows you and can process with you. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's like I was telling Jay this earlier, but it was like when I was at LSU um, doing this college ministry, like all the kids were like excited. They're like, yo, we're going to Bolivia for spring break. We're going to Prague over summer. We're going to China. It's awesome. And um, but in between, maybe partying, drinking, you know, whatever. Um, but the question is, well, what are we doing in the meantime? Well, missions is a nonstop, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365. Like, we're always on mission. That is the calling of a Christian. We're in it, but what are we doing? Wherever your feet are, that's where the mission is. And so you can ignore it and live your own life and I, I uh, have idolatry towards yourself. Or if you really want to follow God, even now here in Jacksonville, what can you say? You say, God, here I am. Where do you want me to go? Where are you leading me to? Who are the people in need? Who are the oppressed? Who are the poor? Who are the widowed? Who are the people that need the gospel? And then just be present with him. Let him stir inside you and see where he's going to go. Man, shirt, sure, I appreciate you, brother. And I mean, glad to be in it with you. Philly Illies, you with us? I'm with you, brother. <laughs> Straight up and down. All right. Yo, this is the Ville Radio Show. We signing off. You know what I'm saying? Um, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio. Shout out to our sponsors, the Ville Church, whatever, for holding us down. Peace. Ville Radio Show. We love y'all. Hit us up and hit our page, too. Where we at? The Ville Radio Show. That's the page. Like it so you can keep up with us. Facebook. Facebook. We be live streaming. That's what we do all day. Let's go. Peace.